We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On yesterday's show, I talked about these rising cries of Christian nationalism and how terrible it is. On today's show, I'm going to talk about this claim that religion has no place in politics. Is that true? Is that part of the DNA of our constitutional republic? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. As I said in the introduction, today's topic is the question, does religion have any place in politics? It's actually more of a statement than a question today because many people will just boldly say that. Keep your religion out of the political sphere. Keep it out of the public square. If you want to have your faith, if you want to hold on to your religion, if you want to believe in the spaghetti monster in the sky, then that's fine, but keep it private. Don't bring it into any public debate, and certainly keep it out of politics. Because, as you know, our founding fathers were smart enough to do that. They didn't believe that religion had any place in the political arena. Now, the question is, is that true? You've heard it a thousand times. You've heard it said by teachers in your local public schools. You've heard it said in Facebook debates and on Twitter and other social media outlets. You've heard it said repeatedly over and over again. Well, there's a separation of church and state. Our founding fathers actually told us all. They set up a system. The First Amendment is all about keeping religion out of the political arena. We shouldn't even think about bringing religious principles into politics, into government, right? Is that true? Well, I'm going to answer the question very clearly on today's show, but I need to do it in context. And the context is this ongoing debate in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Now, don't tune out. If you don't live in Bartlesville, it doesn't make any difference because this stuff is going on in your backyard, too. It doesn't make any difference where you live whether you live in Ohio or Oregon or Oklahoma, it's happening in your backyard. What? What is happening? It's these drag queen performances that are being targeted strategically in the heartland of America. As I said in our previous show, someone responded to some pictures that I showed him with regard to this drag queen performance in a local public park in Bartlesville. He looked at it and he said, I wouldn't be surprised to see that in San Francisco, but surely not Bartlesville. Well, at the same time, these things are happening in Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska, Kentucky, Tennessee, Texas. These things are happening strategically because the LGBTQIA cabal wants to soften your particular objections to this issue by shaming conservatives in the heartland into accepting and tolerating these things as if they're nothing but minority expressions. 
So what they're doing is they're coming into small towns and they're having drag queen story hours in your local public library. They're having a drag queen party parade performance in your local public park. And they're promoting these things as family friendly. Now, you know I've talked about this on a previous show or two, so I'm not going to belabor that point specifically today, but you need to understand the context of my commentary today with regard to religion in the political arena, religion and government. Do they mix? Should religion have anything to do with a governmental discussion, whether it be at the federal level, the state level, or even at the local city council level? That's the question. So after we take a break, I'm going to share with you an excerpt of a post that a local pastor by the name of Caleb Gordon uh, posted uh, a couple days ago with regard to this issue, the drag queen issue, and his perspective on what we should be doing about enforcing local ordinances. And because he's a pastor, his position is grounded in, wait for it, wait for it, the Bible. Oh, shame on him. He actually refers to Christian morality, biblical morality, God's standards, God's laws as a context, as a pretext, as a foundation for making governmental decisions. Does he have any right to suggest that that should happen? And should the city council of Bartlesville consider his perspective? Well, one local citizen, one local resident says no. A woman by the name of Caitlin on Facebook says, Religion has no place in politics. Not everybody is a Christian in this country, this state, or this county, or this ward. The founding fathers, or whoever or whenever, had enough sense to separate church from state when including it in the Bill of Rights. And those are all in capital letters, I might add. And then she says this, OMG, y'all literally take this to heart. Okay? Who's right? Caleb Gordon, or this response from Caitlin? I'm going to answer that question after we take a break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Now, I said that I needed to share with you a little bit about what Caleb Gordon wrote. He posted this. Now, Caleb is a pastor, and he also has his own podcast. I'd recommend you listen into that. And he wrote an excellent, very brief position paper, really, is what it is, on local government and the responsibility of people that have conservative values, more specifically Bible-believing Christians, to step into the public square right now and speak in defense of common sense and local moral standards, moral standards that are actually codified in law in our city ordinances here. Now, I know I've covered this in a previous show, so again, I don't want to belabor it, but Caleb actually cites the ordinance numbers that relate to this issue of lewd conduct and indecent exposure in public places. Now, he says this, uh, city ordinance number 2628 City Code Section 1264 restricts indecent exposure, and City Code 12-65 restricts lewd conduct. Now, he uses the language of the local ordinances, and then he goes on and says this, These two ordinances are more than enough to stop the foolishness that happened in September, but our local city council refuses to say or do anything out of fear of legal repercussions. 
Only one member of the city council has made a public stand to say that this should not have been done. There are those on the council who have made statements off the record that they don't like what happened at this drag queen show, but they can't really do anything about it. This is where my worldview, now listen to what Caleb says right now, this is where my worldview differs from most other conservatives. And he references his father, Ed Gordon, who was a very respected man and who served as city manager here at Bartlesville. Very respected man and leader of the Bartlesville community. And again, if you don't live here, it doesn't matter. Listen to this because it pertains to your community too. My father, Ed Gordon, says Caleb, once said, when man's laws violate God's laws, man's law must be, must be disobeyed and you must follow what God has laid out in his word. But here's the thing. In Bartlesville, this is Caleb talking right now, in Bartlesville, man's law and God's law agree on this issue. We have city ordinances that agree with the moral standards that are outlined in the Bible. So why in the world, says Caleb, are Christian council members refusing to do anything? And then he concludes with this, I firmly think they're afraid of the LGBT community, but I stand with Peter, he's referring to the apostle Peter, when he says in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than any human authority. And then Caleb says this, I'm calling on our Christ-following council members to stand with God's word as well as the standing city ordinances on this one. Standing ovation for Caleb. He's pointing out that the Bible and the city ordinances agree. And I would add this parenthetical statement. Our, our city ordinances... And the Bible agree because many city ordinances across the land, whether they be from Baltimore or Bartlesville, are grounded in what? The natural law, the common sense, the biblical ethic. Now, we have this woman that I referred to that responded to Caleb. As I said, her name is Caitlin. I'm not going to mention her last name. It's not important. Um, she responded as a local community member, and she said what I quoted earlier. She responded, and she said, religion has no place in politics. Note, not everybody is a Christian in this country, this state, county, or this ward. The founding fathers, or whoever, whenever, had enough sense to separate church and state. When including it in the Bill of Rights, she shouts in capital letters. Now, is she right? Who's right here? Is Caleb Gordon right? Or is this woman that's responding to him right? Well... I'm going to answer that question right now, as I did on Facebook when this woman, Caitlin, said what she said. Frankly, this is the most uninformed, unintelligent, stupid thing that anyone could say when responding to this particular debate that's going on in city after city, county after county, ward after ward across the United States right now. This claim that Caitlin is making that religion has no place in government is absurd. It has no historical veracity whatsoever. Caitlin and her army of righteously indignant anti-religious bigots need to maybe read a little bit more. And what do I mean by that? Well, maybe they should start with this. Here's something they should read. It is self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator. <laughs> Who would that be? That would be God, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Who said that? Thomas Jefferson. 
one of those founding fathers, one of those whoevers or whenevers that Caitlin referred to when she cited the First Amendment. How about reading this? May the same wonder-working deity who long since delivering the Hebrews from the Egyptian oppressors and planted them in the Promised Land, whose providential agency has lately been conspicuous in establishing these United States as an independent nation, still continue to water them with the dews of heaven and to make the inhabitants of every denomination participate in the temporal and spiritual blessings of that people whose God is just. Jehovah. Close quote. Who said that? George Washington. Another one of those whoevers that Caitlin refers to. One of those founding fathers. How about this one? The Bible is the best of all books, for it is the word of God and teaches us the way to be happy in this world and the next. Close quote. Who said that? John Jay, president of the Continental Congress. Another whoever that Caitlin is referring to. How about this one? The Holy Scriptures can alone secure society order and peace, and to our courts of justice and our constitutions of government, purity and stability. Close quote. Now, this person obviously said that the Holy Scriptures have something to do with the constitution of government in our country. Who said that? James McHenry, a signer of the Constitution, another founding father, another whoever or whenever that Caitlin is referring to. How about this one? The teachings of the Bible are so interwoven and intertwined with our whole civic and social life that it would be literally impossible for us to figure to ourselves what life would be if these teachings were removed. We should lose almost all the standards by which we now judge both public and private morals. Almost every man who has added to the sum of human achievement of which the human race is proud has based his life work largely upon the teachings of the Bible. Close quote. Who said that? President of the United States, Teddy Roosevelt. Now, he said... The teachings of the Bible are so interwoven and intertwined with our whole civic and social life that it would be literally impossible for us to do what? Remove those teachings and still have any standards by which we now judge both what? Public and private morals. Roosevelt was telling us that the Bible is the basis for public morals, public morals, and that the Bible is interwoven and intertwined with the civic and social life of our country, and it's impossible for us to separate those two. Hmm, doesn't seem like he's saying keep religion out of government, does it? Well, how about this quote? Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Hmm, John Adams, (laughs) one of those other whoevers that Caitlin seems to think told us to keep religion out of government, just said that our Constitution will only be good for a religious people and that we will have no government that's effective and our Constitution will be totally irrelevant if it isn't grounded upon and built upon the assumption of biblical morality 
and a religious people that understands this. Now, is this a theocracy? Absolutely not. This is not a theocracy. Nobody's saying that you have to claim faith in any denomination or that you even have to be a Christian. In fact, that quote that I just cited from George Washington was an affirmation of the Jewish people that were living in the United States. He wasn't claiming that you had to embrace Christianity. What he was saying is that we have to have a moral foundation and that our foundation, our legal assumptions, the laws that we will function under and within this country and this constitution are grounded in biblical values. We have to have some sort of measuring rod outside of those things being measured, or we will not be able to do any measuring and we will not be able to function as a constitutional republic. You have to have a standard. You will always have a standard. And if you rip apart the existing standards, somebody's going to come in and replace them with others. Live and let live anarchy never lasts because the chaos has to be solved. And you will either solve it through personal responsibility personal morality and self-control, or you will be controlled by someone and something else. You cannot function as a society in radical pluralism. It doesn't work. Never has, never will. You have to have standards. You have to have some laws, and somebody has to enforce those laws under the assumption of moral authority. And where does that come from? Does it come from government, or does it come from God? Does it come from the hierarchy, top-down, imposition by the elites upon the masses, or does it come bottom-up, with every man sitting under his own fig tree and his own vine, and therefore he shall not be afraid, because it's your fig tree, it's your vine, it's your property, it's your life, it's your home, it's your community, it's your public park, and you're accepting responsibility to live within the confines of your commonly assumed and commonly owned community standards, which are called local ordinances, and they're drawn up upon the assumption of some sort of moral assumption and authority beyond the elite and beyond the power of man. This is the nature of how we function in a free society. And without those assumptions, you're not going to be free. All right, so let's go back to John Adams. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Close quote John Adams. He didn't say only for a born-again and Baptist people. He didn't say only for those that are transformed and redeemed as Methodists. No, he didn't say that. He said a moral and religious people. He's, he's making the claim that you have to have religious assumptions of morality in order to have a constitutional republic because something needs to be the governing, the governing ethos of the community. And Adams was saying it has to be the assumption of moral and religious people, Christian people. Christian people, people that assume that Christianity actually has value and they share the assumptions of those moral precepts. Okay, let's go on. Here's another quote uh, that Caitlin might want to go back and consider as she reads a bit. 
I have so much faith in the general government of the world by providence that I can hardly conceive a transaction of such momentous importance to the welfare of millions now existing and to exist in the posterity of a great nation should be suffered to pass without being in some degree influenced, guided, and governed by the omnipotent, omnipresent, and beneficent ruler. Who said that? Benjamin Franklin. You know, that deist that really wasn't a Christian. He just said, governed by that omnipotent, omnipresent, and beneficent ruler. Who would that be? God. Benjamin Franklin obviously believed that religion had a place in government, in the public square, in the civic discussion of how we would function together as cooperative human beings in community. How about this one? I am perfectly satisfied that the union of the states in its form and adoption is as much the work of divine providence as any of the miracles recorded in the Old and New Testament were the effects of divine power. Tis done. We have become a nation. Close quote. Benjamin Rush. America was born a Christian nation. Hmm. It's pretty clear, isn't it? America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelation of Holy Scripture. Close quote. Who said that? President Woodrow Wilson. How about this? If all this stuff isn't, if you don't like Benjamin Rush, if you don't like uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin, if you don't like John Adams, if you don't like Teddy Roosevelt, if I've gotten off track here and you think, well, those guys just didn't understand what Jefferson was really saying, what he was really saying when he called upon us to recognize that we are endowed by our Creator with certain self-evident truths and unalienable rights. Well, let's go back to Jefferson then, if that's what you want to do. Caitlin, consider this. No nation has ever yet existed or been governed without religion, nor can be. The Christian religion is the best religion that has been given to man. And I, as chief magistrate of this nation, am bound to give it sanction. Close quote. Thomas Jefferson. You want me to repeat that, Caitlin? No nation has ever existed or been governed without religion been governed without religion, okay? Religion and government are included in that sentence, Caitlin. Okay, you might want to read a bit and consider sentence structure, not only history, but English and grammar. No nation has ever existed or been governed without nation, nor can it be. And then he goes on and he says, the Christian religion is the best religion that has been given to man. And I, as chief magistrate the president of this nation, and bound to give it sanction, close quote. Hmm. I guess that deist, and maybe he was one, that's open for debate. We could talk about that on another show, okay? But even if you want to say, well, Jefferson was a deist, he really wasn't a biblical Christian. What did he just say? No government can exist without religion. No nation will sustain itself without religion. Nor can any nation ever exist without that governing influence of religion. And the Christian religion is the best religion that has ever been given to man. And I am bound to give it sanction. That is Thomas Jefferson. One of those whoevers that Caitlin refers to. Here's another one. I shall need the favor of that being, in capital letters, being, in whose hands we are, 
who led our fathers, as of Israel of old, from their native land and planted them in a country flowing with all the necessities and comforts of life, who has covered our infancy with his providence and our riper years with his wisdom, and to whose goodness I ask you to join in supplications that he will enlighten our minds and guide our counsels. Close quote, Thomas Jefferson. He's praying to God. Caitlin, he's praying to God. He's mixing religion in politics and in government. Shame on that whoever, that founding father, that guy who actually had something to do with writing the First Amendment. You know, you might want to consider what he said and what he thought and what he intended when he wrote it. Okay, here's another one. Acknowledging and adoring an overruling providence, which by all its dispensations proves that it delights in the happiness of man here. With all these blessings, what more is necessary to make us happy and a prosperous people? Close quote, Thomas Jefferson. So here's the question. Is Caleb Gordon right when he calls upon our city council to enforce the laws, the laws that exist, laws that exist that are consistent with biblical laws, Is Caleb Gordon right when he says, in this case where we're debating drag queen performances in our public parks, public parks, public spaces, our streets, our sidewalks, and our public parks, is Caleb Gordon right when he cites these ordinances and says, these ordinances agree with the Bible, and the Bible agrees with these ordinances? Enforce these laws, please. You don't have to separate church and state because in this particular situation, the church agrees with the state and the state agrees with the church. These city ordinances are grounded in biblical, common sense, moral standards. Just enforce the doggone things. Is Caleb Gordon right? And is he calling for a theocracy when he makes this argument? He is right, and no, he's not calling for a theocracy any more than Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Rust, Teddy Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, and the list goes on. When Caitlin says that we're supposed to keep religion out of government and that it has no place in the political debate or the establishment of civic standards and laws and ordinances— and that Christians should just shut up and stop talking about their faith when it comes to these issues, who's right and who's wrong here, Caleb Gordon or Caitlin? Well, if you listen to what I just said for the last 20 minutes, it's obvious that Caleb Gordon is the one who's right, and Caitlin is nothing but the product of these stupid local public schools that can't teach our kids to just simply read a few historical facts and apply them to the debate. This is not complicated, people. We can read. I don't know what they're teaching our kids in schools these days, but they're clearly not teaching them the basics of American history. Now, you can disagree with Thomas Jefferson till the cows come home, but you can't claim he didn't say it. You can disagree with Benjamin Franklin and John Adams and John Jay. Disagree if you want. But don't be stupid and certainly stop lying if you knew this stuff and you're just trying to cover it up. Either or, it's stupidity or it's dishonesty to conclude that religion has no place in government. It's nonsense. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.